Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Friday, August 16th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined by John DeShazer, who is out there at Saints training camp in Costa Mesa. JD, how's it going out there so far? Enjoying the weather? All right, tough lady. Um, you know, 75, 80 degrees and no humidity. And I really, really, really miss the 95 degrees and the 115 even day. So I'm ready to come home. Um, we won't make it back until Monday, so I guess I'll just tough it out these next few days. Wow, I feel so bad for you that you have to spend a whole weekend out there. You should. I mean, everybody should really, really feel for me. And also, you know, the fact that, you know, we're on per diem, but it's not quite as much as it could be. So, you know, there are a lot of intangibles that make it difficult to stay out here during the time. But, I mean, somebody's got to do these things, and, you know, just for the job. And for the culture, I'll do it. For the culture, yeah. I'm sure it's very difficult <laughs> staying in a hotel, having someone clean up after you, having breakfast served to you. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel for you, J.D. Uh, breakfast is not served to us. We have to go get it. So oh, you know, oh, that makes a difference. Another difficult, another piece of adversity that, you know, has to be overcome. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you're able to overcome it. I mean, I'm, I admire your strength. I truly do. J.D., since I'm not out there, can you paint the picture for me? I mean, we've seen on Twitter, you know, you're following all the beat writers, following you, of course. Uh, paint the picture for me of of practice yesterday. I know you caught up with Demario Davis, which we'll hear from after practice yesterday. But, um, you know, we heard from Drew Brees talk about the tempo. Can you paint the picture of yesterday's practice for me? Well, the fact of the matter is nobody probably would have taken note of the tempo if Drew hadn't said anything that he wasn't pleased with it. And really, he's probably just talking more so about you know, getting in and out of the huddle, getting up to the line quickly, and that way you're not wasting time, and that way you have time uh, if something goes wrong with the play, you want to change it into something else and those kinds of things. Um, those things will work themselves out. Uh, they got accustomed to a certain tempo, and probably you know it might have a little something to do with changing centers. They've got a rookie center as opposed to a veteran center in Max Runder. The rookie center being a second-round pick, Eric McCoy. So those things will smooth themselves out because – for the most part, this is a veteran offense except the center position. So they'll learn how, you know, Eric McCoy will learn Drew's tempo. He'll, he'll learn how to speed it up. He probably has never had to do that kind of thing before at Texas A&M. But he'll learn. He's a smart kid. They like what they thought of him from the first preseason game. They'll continue to like what they see out of him, and he'll continue to progress that way. As for the actual joint practice, I thought I thought it was pretty evenly distributed. I thought the Saints had the upper hand early in the practice. I thought the Chargers came on later in the practice. Loved what um, I was able to see from some of the Saints uh, in terms of what we saw uh, defensively uh, from them on on the side of the field that I was watching. I uh, you know it was I think they had some really good one on one plays. And then in the team drills again, I thought the Chargers came on a little bit later. Uh, and played a little bit better than the Saints in those, but I thought for the most part it was pretty evenly distributed. A guy who stood out to me uh, was cornerback Ken Crawley. I thought Ken Crawley had a really solid day, and also thought that linebacker, you know, we mentioned Demario Davis, had a fantastic day actually um, uh, in practice yesterday. And so you know, there were some bright spots. I didn't see a whole lot of the offense because they were on the opposite side of the field, and you, know, you kind of got to pick your poison and decide which unit you're going to be paying attention to. And I wanted to get a little bit better look at the defense. But from what I heard and read, it seemed like in the individual portions that the, that the offense kind of had its way with the, with the Chargers defense also. And the offensive line played pretty well over there. So, but when, again, when they came together in team drills, I thought the Chargers 
you know, stood out a little bit more than the Saints in, in those drills. But, you know, overall, again, good good work. Um, we heard Drew Brees say that, you know, for him, the joint practices, you know, especially the Thursday practice, is probably even more valuable than the preseason game because he gets more reps and they get more situational mm-hmm. uh, things to work on as opposed to going into a preseason game. And maybe those pre- those situations not coming up, whether it be a two-minute drill or, or those kinds of things. I want to touch back on Ken Crawley. You said he had a nice practice yesterday. I want to touch on him, and I also want to talk on uh, speak about Simi Cobbs because Ken Crawley is a guy who did make the 53-man roster last year, but it was kind of a battle between him and P.J. I don't want to say just at the beginning because it seemed to kind of trail off into the end, too. You saw one play poorly and then the other one get put in and then going back and forth. So, uh, you know, we saw P.J. play more and more throughout the season, but I feel like this is a pretty important camp for Ken Crawley because you recruited, I mean, you drafted these two guys, Saquon and Chauncey, um, and so those are two spots that are, I, I don't want to say taken automatically because these guys still have to earn the job, but it's a pretty important camp for Ken Crawley, so it's good that he had a good day, but I don't think we've seen an overall outstanding camp from Ken Crawley. Would you disagree? No, I mean I don't think he stood out, but I mean I don't I don't necessarily I I wouldn't necessarily say anybody has really jumped off the page in the second day. I thought Saquon Hampton, the rookie, uh, was playing very very well before he got injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, C.J. Gardner Johnson still has a ways to go. He's learning so many different positions that it might be you know affecting him mentally in terms of his you know his recognition of what's happening and, and just playing fast. He's you know diagnosing but he's probably moving a step slower than he wants to. So I think, you know, from that standpoint, it's been affecting him. But Crawley, you know, he, he had a, a two years ago, had a really good season. Uh, and then last year just fell off completely and, and didn't play well at all. And uh, so, yeah, it is a critical training camp for him. The beauty of it for him is, you know, he plays cornerback. So he'll have a chance to, back up either Eli Apple or Marshawn Lattimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, those opportunities will be there for him. But if he doesn't play well there, you know, there's still Patrick Robinson who can play outside. Uh, P.J. Williams can play outside in a pinch. And so right now those two guys are more trusted than King Crawley is. So I think practices like yesterday had a fantastic special teams play where, you know, he ends up splitting the double block. Both the blockers end up on the ground. King Crawley beats him downfield. Would have made a nice tackle on the punt return. And also he broke up some passes, and he had an interception. So I thought he did some really nice things for himself in yesterday's practice. And he's going to need to continue to do those kinds of things. I mean, it doesn't have to be jump off the page, you know, get an interception every day and those kinds of things. But mm-hmm. he's got to be steady across the board, and he's got to be productive across the board. That's what you're looking for. You're not looking for the high, high days, and then you follow them with a low, low day. You need that day that you need those days strung together that are steady that you can understand and know exactly what you're getting out of a player as opposed to, you know, today you might get, you know, a Pro Bowl day and the next day you're wondering how the guys in the league. Those are the ones that really affect you as a team. And then you say, okay, we got to get a guy that we can rely on consistently and hopefully Ken Crawley will build off yesterday. Again, doesn't have to jump off the page every day, but he's got to be consistent across the board and hopefully he's able to do that. But I thought he had a really – a really nice day yesterday. It's the classic athlete answer, right? Like brick by brick, th- taking it day by day. You know, you gotta you gotta build brick by brick. Yeah. I love that answer. Yeah, and it, it's it's cliche, but it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't have a good day today and then not play well again 
until this time next week. That doesn't do the team or, or the athlete any good. You've got to string together, you know, consecutive days, and they got to be consistent days. And you want to have five good days and then maybe uh, an off day, and then another eight good days and then maybe an off day and that kind of thing. But you can't have, you know, one good day and then two bad or two good and then three bad and that kind of thing. That doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Right. Uh, moving over to the offensive side of the ball, as I said, I want to touch on Simi Cobbs, uh, the wide receiver, because we have seen, you talk about consistency and kind of, you know, building brick by brick, but, you know, J.D., you and I were on the sidelines at the beginning of training camp, and we were kind of, you know, like, not I don't want to say cringing, but we were like, oh, you know, Simi Cobbs, like, he needs to be more consistent, he needs to catch those balls, you know, never let a ball drop, um, and not that he was doing poorly, but he wasn't doing, he wasn't standing out as maybe guys like Emmanuel Butler um, or especially at the beginning. But now I feel like we've seen Simi Cobbs get a little bit more comfortable. He is catching balls. He's making plays. He played well in the preseason game. What are you seeing from Simi Cobbs, and do you think it's kind of a battle between him and Emmanuel Butler right now? Well, he looks comfortable, and he should be comfortable, actually, because he joined the team a little bit late last year, but he's been with the franchise and the organization you know, through most of last season, so he understands the expectations. He should have a decent understanding of what the team is trying to do offensively. And so now, you know, I think he's kind of calmed down as, as camp has progressed early in, in training camp. He didn't do anything that, you know, really stood out. Emmanuel Butler was catching everything in sight, and so everybody got really infatuated with it and still, you know, rightfully should be. And yet, Simi Cobbs has seemed to, you know, again, we just mentioned put together, you know, good day after good day after good day. And after a while, you, you start noticing and saying, you know what? He's not dropping any passes. Mm-hmm. You know what? He's getting open. You know what? He's in, he's in the right place at the right time, and the quarterback can find it. Uh, he's just being productive. And so those are the are the plays that will keep him, keep him around. Uh, whether or not it's a competition between he and Emmanuel Butler, it's a, it's a competition between he and a lot of guys. I think Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn Jr., uh, you've got those guys, uh, Trey Quan Smith. Uh, yeah, I think those, if you have any locks, quote unquote, those will probably be your locks. Keith Kirkwood, who's now back practicing, he needs to get healthy. He's the guy who was on the roster last year. You feel like he might have an inside track if, they, if there's a fourth receiver. So Saints keep five. That's going to be a battle royal, and really a battle royal for that fourth and fifth spot. That's where your Emmanuel Butler, your Keith Kirkwood, your Simi Cobb Jr. come into play because, and, and maybe even Deontay Harris. If Deontay Harris is good enough as a returner, then he's got to be kept as a receiver spot because that's the spot he plays. So he nudges one of those guys out potentially if Martha Sherrill doesn't get back and, and, and be a returner for this team. So that will be something else that will be interesting to watch. But I think Sammy Cobb has played well. He and Emmanuel Butler and Keith Kirkwood are really going to scrap it out for that those fourth and fifth spots at the Saints go five receivers deep, which you, which you figure they will. I think they traditionally kept at least five. So, you know, that's going to be a real nice battle for those last couple of spots. And, you know, Sammy Cobb is playing as well as any of those three guys, three, four guys we mentioned right there right now. And he's just got to continue to be productive. And, you know, again, if a guy's productive, how do you keep him off the roster? You can't. Yeah. Uh, you caught up with Demario Davis after practice yesterday, and I did listen to the interview. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, and again, we'll let everyone listen uh, a little bit later in the show, but one of the things that stood out to me and kind of made my eyebrows shoot up was uh, Demario Davis said there's still meat left on the bone. You know, there's still work to be done. And of course, you want to keep that athlete mentality. You always want to improve. You always want to get better. Um, but 
kind of, you know, he's a humble guy automatically, but I mean, this is a guy who had four pass deflections, two forced fumbles, 110 tackles, five sacks. I mean, he had a pretty good year last year, and it kind of surprised me when he said there's still meat left on the bone. Are you seeing uh, development already out of Demario Davis from last year and last training camp and last season? Well, it's training camp. I mean, it's he dominated his portion of practice yesterday. I mean, he was obviously uh, a guy who you know, I, I, I keep mentioning, jumping off the page. He jumped off. He jumped out of the book. I mean, he was really, really noticeable yesterday for most of the time that he was on the field. Um, and he's got a better feel for what he's doing in this defense. Uh, he is a smart player. He's a talented player. He's athletically gifted. Um, he, he understands exactly what Dennis Allen wants him to do in this defense, and he can play every down because he's big enough, he's fast enough, he's strong enough to do everything it is you want your linebacker to do. And, you know, he's just one of those guys where, you know, every now and again, you know, and all my friends, you know, everybody I work with, they'll tell you, you know, I'll, I'll pick a guy and I'll kind of have a man crush on the dude. You know, I, I love Russell Westbrook in basketball. You know, people can talk about him with how they want to. It's like family to me. You know, you, I'm the only one who can talk bad about my family. You can't. And so, and Demario That's what Davis, I am to you. That's what I am to you, right, J.D.? Uh, no, they can talk bad about you, and I might not say anything. But Demario, <laughs> Demario is one of those guys where, you know, very few and far between are there athletes that I would want a guy's autograph and I would tell kids, hey, if you want to be like a guy, be like him. And a lot of that has to do with who he is as a person. He's such a fantastic person that is just outstanding. But as a football player, yeah, you can see tangible how he's improved from last year. He, he just understands it better. And so now he's moving even faster than he was last year when he had those 100-plus tackles and five sacks and four pass breakups and I think a couple of fumbles, fumbles and a fumble recovery. I just had a really awesome year, and and you can see it on the field. You can see it translate now to where he's moving even better, even faster. And I obviously I would not be shocked if he's a guy who has things better good issues. You talk about uh, him as a person. I feel like he kind of has that Benjamin Watson effect, where like after you do an interview with him, you're like, oh, man, I got to do more. <laughs> I got to get out in my community. I need to volunteer more. Yeah, he 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 inspires you. He's, I mean, you listen to him talk, and you know a lot of people talk, but he he walks the walk. Mm-hmm. He he does what he you know what he tries to inspire everyone else to do is are things that he's doing, and and so it really gives you you know faith in you know I know it sounds corny, but it gives you faith in humanity. It makes you feel better about people because you say you know what there are actually. Guys who are out here who are working, who are putting in, who are putting in the work, who are putting themselves out there, uh, they're not bashful about it. You know, he's high profile, but he's saying, "Look, I see some injustices, and I really think these are things that can be addressed and should be addressed. And I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do the actual work. I'll get out and, and, and put and get my hands into it and do it myself." And, and those are the things that really inspire you about him. I mean, they they really make you feel good about knowing the guy and and seeing him and and being around him. I mean, he's just one of those guys that that really makes you want to do good. I mean, again, I know it sounds corny, (laughs) but he really makes you just want to do good. All right, J.D., enough buildup. Let's go ahead and get to your interview with Demario Davis. Demario, first day of joint practices here against the Chargers. Um, What did you think you guys were able to show defensively? 
Um, you know, it's good to be able to come in and change the environment. You know, it, um, still work on your craft. You know, it's just another day, another practice, just a different environment. And so, um, you know, did some good things in the run, good thing in the past game, uh, good situational stuff. So it was a good day to come out of fly run. I know you're a guy who judges yourself by high level, but seems earlier in practice uh, that you had uh, some outstanding plays. Uh, what would be, I guess, your assertion of your own play today? I think it was a good day. I felt good. Um, legs felt great. Was able to come around, fly around. You know, get some penetration in the backfield and the run and the pass game, you know, make some plays and coverage. And so at the end of the day, I'm always just trying to do my job as best I can. Um, I think it's a, a tribute to a lot of work put in the offseason to get better. And so just trying to bring that to the table. You had another stellar year last year. How do you improve on that and, and where does the hunger uh, continue? I think it's just an inner passion, um, you know, to be among the best. With that, you know, you just can never stop. It's always something that you can uh, grow. I think the encouraging thing is as good of a season um, as I had, you know, looked at the tape and, you know, there was a lot of meat left on the bone, a lot more plays that I can make in my game. And so anytime I, I'm able to go back and break down the entire season and look at it and say, man, there's some plays still out there that you can make, that's encouraging. And so uh, definitely excited about this season and um, adding on to, uh, what was accomplished last year. I saw one-on-one -on -one pass rush play particularly, and you might remember where you truck a fullback. Do your eyes kind of light up when you see a fullback as opposed to an offensive lineman back there trying to block you, or is that just a situation where you feel like it doesn't matter who's back there, you're going to get through it? Yeah, you know, the, the funny thing is, um, you know, I, I beat a lot of running backs, you know, throughout my career and then had some today and you know they like man you can't run through the don't run through the running backs like that in practice and honestly um i never even look at the running backs it's more from the offensive alignment to the quarterback and the running backs most times they surprise me uh but i think it's it's a part of like you know my training and the way i lift and uh the agility and explosion stuff that i do that even when they catch me off guard the natural explosion into them kind of throws them off balance and, and a lot of times it's a weight um, advantage in favor of the linebacker too because we tend to be 235, 240. They tend to be 205 to 220, so that plays a part. But um, I think at the end of the day, we want to get pressure on the quarterback, and I just try to do my job and do that. I know you said, you know, weight advantage. or That, that was a fullback. That wasn't a little dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, so be it. So be it. I just try to get to the quarterback as best I can, man. You know, we, we want to stay up out here. We don't really want to be trying to you know, not guys to the ground, but, you know, it just happens sometimes. We obviously cannot talk to you without talk about, talking about your social uh, justice work. Um, I saw that you and Josh Norman combined to pay uh, a bail for a young man. Um, just why do you continue to insert yourself into those situations? Because it's been a great help to the community, and it's really um, one of those things that, you know, you kind of take for granted that you, you like to see people involved, and yet, you know, you guys stick your neck out there and get involved. Yeah, I mean, we just living in a time where we, we as people have to understand um, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And if we let injustice happen, you know, inside the borders of our country, you know, it's gonna it's gonna keep coming. You know, it's gonna affect not just the people that's impacting right now, it's gonna impact people who feel like they're safe here. And uh, you just can't allow anything that's inhumane happen. You know, you gotta think about, you know, parents being separated from children, children forced to sleep out, sleep outside at the circumstance of, of things that, you know, some they don't even have control over. And, you know, and that's some, some stuff is just inhumane, you know. And so uh, we have to look at it from that standpoint, from the humanity standpoint, 
when you see another human being suffering, you have to be able to have some empathy, put yourself in their shoes. You know, would you want to be separated from your kids? Would you want your kids sleeping outside, you know, or to be alone and not have any kind of communication? And that's why we, we chose to step in and help that situation in a way, hopefully, that motivates other people that you can be a part of the solution. You know, you do a great work. Is it difficult, I guess, when you look at it from, from a humanity standpoint and the big heartedness you have to not be able to help everybody? You have to, I guess, pick and choose where you can insert yourself? No, I heard a story once, and it was a bunch of starfish on the ground. A man was, you know, a shellfish on the ground. A guy was picking up all the shellfish and throwing them one by one. And it was a million shellfish out there. And the guy's like, you know, you're never going to be able to save all these shellfishes. But everyone he threw out there, he said, I saved that one. I saved that one. And I think that's the way we have to look at, look at it is every time, every little bit that you do is helping somebody. It's helping a family. And I think um, when we think about it in terms like that, I think it just motivates everybody to, to be a part of the solution. You know, we obviously see you doing this beyond your football career. If you're doing it now, we know you're going to do it beyond your football career. But, you know, what was one of the things, I guess, that went into it originally that made you want to get involved to the degree that you have? I think all of it kind of plays a part. You know, uh, first I was born into a great family, and family is everything to me. And so, you know, um, I'm always going to be a person who, you know, tries to help family or focus on family or try to encourage family. Um, but also my faith, you know, my relationship with Jesus, you know, just calls us to be servants to people and servants to those around us and servants of those less fortunate, you know, taking care of the poor and whatnot. And so uh, my faith, you know, empowers a lot of the action I do. I just, at the end of the day, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm done on this planet, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I think the way that you do that is taking care of those who can't take care of themselves. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right, thank man. You. Be blessed. You too. Well, there you heard it, linebacker Demario Davis catching up with our very own John DeShazer. John, day two in California. Again, you're roughing it out there. I'm sorry for you uh, and the, the sweat that I'm sure you're not wiping off your brow uh, hanging out there. But a lot of fans came out yesterday. We did see that on social media. A lot of uh, black and gold out there. What was kind of the environment as far as Saints fans out there? Paint the picture. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, Saints fans travel extremely well. I mean, they it's almost like a, a, a college following, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't care what stadium the Saints go to, uh, wherever it is, Saints fans travel extremely well uh, and did so yesterday for that open practice and will be back out there today. I mean, met a guy yesterday from Vancouver who wow. said he just came down to watch practice, watch, wanted to watch his thing. Um, but, uh, you know, you have transplants, people who now live in mm -hmm. California who are originally from New Orleans who are, who are Saints fans. I mean, so, yeah, they travel well. They'll be back out there today. They love to see the, the, the team practice. Um, I wouldn't say it was a 50-50 split, but it was, you know, it might have been 60-40-ish wow. yesterday in terms of charges to Saints fans. And, and again, you know, you, you expect the home team, obviously, to have a, a nice following. Uh, the Chargers are a really good team. Uh, made the playoffs last year. I think they were about a, a game away from the AFC Championship game. But the Saints fans, uh, they don't care who you are and they don't care where the Saints are. They're going to be there. Uh, whether they have to travel there, whether they already moved there and they're just Saints fans, or maybe they're convert converts uh, who might have been from somewhere else and just saw the Saints and said, you know what, I can get behind that team. And so we expect to see them back out there and be, and, and vocal again today and hopefully uh, – most of them, I don't know how they did in the autograph session part of it because, you know, I was trying to tell them where they needed to go to maybe be able to secure some autographs. And I don't know if it was a help or not because I didn't get a chance to see, but hopefully they'll secure those autographs they were looking for yesterday. You're leading these people astray, J.D.
I would never lead anybody astray uh, intentionally. I just know where the I just know where the players come off, and I said, hey, go around there if you want to see if you can get an autograph, because I don't think they're coming up this far. Uh, whether or not they were able to get there, I, hey, I'll leave it to their own device. They got to get down there and throw a couple of elbows, and, you know, kind of wedge in, and that's on them. Hopefully, you're not a crusher of dreams, just leading people in the wrong direction. Uh, JD, I would never. <laughs> whatever. Uh, I would never. I tried to get me to sign this football yesterday. I he actually he asked for my autograph, and I just refused to do it because I told him I did not want to devalue his football. Because if he were to get like Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara to sign that ball, and my name was on there. It might knock a couple of dollars off of it, so I, I would not do it. So you're always giving me crap for saying that I'm famous, but really you're the famous one. I mean, people in California are asking for your autograph. Wow. No, he Jeez. didn't. He didn't even. He had no idea who, he, who I was. He just saw the same stuff and he was like, "Sign it." He didn't know. All right, JD. Day, day two uh, coming up. Should we expect anything different from today's practice uh, than yesterday's practice? I mean, hopefully, you know, Drew Brees will be a little bit happier with the tempo. Hopefully, there will be a little bit more competition uh, going into today. But should we expect anything different from the norm? Well, the previous two years, what has happened on the Friday practice is, or the second practice is actually. I think the intensity has gone down a little bit because it's, you know, getting, you know, probably getting a little bit more ready for the game. You don't want to risk injury. And so the practice has gone down a little bit in terms of intensity, which might be reason for us to maybe see Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas participate in the team portion of practice uh, today. Neither one did yesterday. And I think a lot of it had to do with the high competitiveness of those workouts uh, on the first day. So the second day, I think they might be going a little bit. And if so, it's a reflection of, you know, the, I don't want to say a drop in intensity, but, you know, I don't think they, I don't think they're out there, you know, really kind of slugfesting out there on the second day. So hopefully a more productive work. Maybe we'll see Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara in the team portions. I think they were out there in the individual portions yesterday, but not the team portions of practice. So I see them get a chance to get out there and work a little bit. Probably both teams will be in shells today. So, you know, that automatically, uh, ramps it down in terms of the physicality. Uh, you will not see Demario Davis running over no fullbacks today <laughs> because you know there are no pads and the pass rush drills will be a little bit less than that right there. Again, you want to you know tamp tamp down the physicality a little bit. So you know hopefully competitive, but not quite as physical today is what I, is what I would expect. Yeah, I'd hate to get in Demario Davis's way. That would be like getting in a car wreck. Thanks to JD for joining us out there in California. Uh, for Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, this has been the New Orleans Saints podcast. Be sure to tune in to the pregame report on Sunday prior to the 3 p.m. kickoff uh, out there in Los Angeles. The game will be on CBS against the Saints and Chargers. And then tune in uh, postgame to the NewOrleansSaints.com. We'll have our live postgame show presented by Verizon where myself and JD will recap the game. We'll also have live press conferences of Sean Payton and Drew Brees possibly or it could also be Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill so stay tuned make sure you tune into that and as always download this Inks app presented by Verizon um, for all your updates highlights interviews and much much more for Caroline Gonzalez John DeShazer thanks for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Geek.